within 24 hours, I had forced 400 digits into my head. So, (laughs) and then it turned into like, okay, I'll get to 500 and then 500 turned into a thousand and then a thousand turned into 2000. And, but ultimately what I did to capitalize on that feeling that numbers had was I took every two digit sequence from zero, zero to nine, nine, and I associated a character with that sequence. Hello, and welcome to Emerging Form. I'm Rosemary Watola-Dromer. And I'm Christy Ashwanden. Hey, Rosemary. Hi, friends. I am excited about today's episode because I know you you could not stop talking to me about today's guest. <laughs> so I'm super excited to meet him. And also, maybe you can just tell our listeners a little bit about him and, and why he's so amazing. Mm-hmm. Okay, I want to set the scene a little bit. So friends, this is, this, is, this is a very different episode for us here on Emerging Form. We don't typically talk to mathematicians, number one, and we certainly don't usually talk about things like memorizing, but... Here we go. This is oh, three, almost four years ago now. My son told me, hey, I'm going to go to my friend's house and we're going to watch Paul, his math teacher, break the U.S. record for memorizing digits of pi. And <laughs> I was like, you're going to do what? What a cool party trick, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, I had been in on this story just a little bit because I knew that it had been happening and Finn and his, his teacher had been, you know, teasing each other back and forth about this. But then it, it happened and Finn came home that night just in this state of ecstasy because he'd watched his teacher, you know, enter in all these numbers. And, and he was there for the moment when, when he actually had broken the record. I remember so clearly Finn telling about a moment where Paul was sitting there and just struggling with, is this, is this it? Is this it? Like he entered something and then he, and then he backed off of it. And, and it was this moment of, is he going to get it? Is he going to get it? And then he got it right. But just imagine like the, the, the drama, the drama of, <laughs> of reciting numbers. So, you know, there's there's a lot more creativity in this practice than I would have ever dreamt. And that's why I'm super excited to have Paul be part of our show today and talk about some of the creativity behind what looks to me originally up front as something that's just wrote. And in fact, is is this exciting creative endeavor. So I'm excited to bring in Paul Herding, who, after receiving his master's in mathematics from the University of Delaware and teaching at the college level, packed up his things and followed a lifelong dream to move west, which brought him to Telluride, Colorado, where he was teaching high school math and science. And now he runs his own tutoring business and nurtures an appreciation for the art of mathematics in his students while pursuing his own mathematical passions, including, of course, reciting pi, and also his research in finite fields with permutation polynomials, which is way sexier than it sounds. Please welcome Paul Herding. Hey, Paul, welcome to Emerging Form. Thank you for having me here. I'm excited to have a chat with the two of you. We're so happy to have you here. Okay, so first of all, Congratulations on being the North American champion of reciting pi. On February 21st, 2020, you recited 16,106 digits 
of pie, which, let's oh come on. That's, that's like unbelievable. <laughs> like literally unbelievable. It is. <laughs> 16,000 is unbelievable, totally impressive, but why? Just to, let's start with <laughs> how does this passion for spouting yeah. pie begin? I think the better question is why not? <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of reasons why yeah. not. <laughs> but uh, to be totally honest, the the entire endeavor started as an act of sarcasm, um, <laughs> as things often do. Um, I was just that doesn't seem surprising to me. Well, yeah. Well, I was I was reading an article about the number of digits of pi you needed to recite to get a free pie from some bakery near Yale or Harvard, or I forget where it was exactly, but you needed to recite like 314 digits or maybe it was 500. I can't remember, but my first thought was that's absolutely ridiculous. Why not just buy the pie? Like it can't be that expensive. I would also just think like, how well are they checking it? Like, can you just go and like start reciting numbers with confidence? Like as long as you know the first 20 or so, like, you know, are they really checking your math? Like, I feel like you have to lose business if you're waiting for people to recite 314 digits. And then you have an employee with like a check sheet. Just like, you messed up there. Yeah. So my wife, Mary and I were both working at the mountain school at the time. And in Telluride. In Telluride, yeah. And we uh, we do outdoor trips there. So we were taking kids on these uh, outdoor hut trips and we had two shifts. She was scheduled to go up on the first shift and then I was going to come up the next day. Anyway, a big snowstorm came through and then it turned out the first shift just stayed there the whole time. And so I was stuck at home. <laughs> Lucky her. And uh, I had no power. The power went out. And I had screenshotted prior to that uh, the first 500 digits of pi. So I'm sitting at home alone with no power and 500 digits of pi. And I was like, well, you know, now is as good of time as any to, to give this a shot. And within 24 hours, I had forced 400 digits into my head. So... <laughs> And then it turned into like, okay, I'll get to 500. And then 500 turned into... A thousand and then a thousand turned into two thousand. And yeah, so. Okay, so I have two questions. The yeah. first is how did you start off and like, did you at some point have an epiphany like, oh, there's a better way or has your process changed? And then the second is, does it get easier? That's a very good question. I would say that absolutely, yes, my methodology for memorizing has evolved over the course of time. And as I go through my recitation, there are hallmarks of the system changing as you go through. So the first thousand digits pretty much are just chaos and, you know, rote memorization, very loose connections. And it's just it's a minefield. And then it refines itself to a place where... But wait, I just want to stop there. So you have this chaos. Like, how do you remember the chaos? Like, how do you connect them? I mean, because these are numbers that are so, you know... What's the actual process, like, of figuring that out? Yeah, like, so I guess when I got to that end of that thousand, it was clear that there was just too much chaos. Like, a mistake is going to happen in a long recitation with, with that much chaos. But, you know, you get loose associations with numbers, like even numbers feel different than odd numbers. You know, certain sections of numbers mean, you know, 
different things to different people, you know, like I was born in 1986. So 86 to me, you know, I associate that with like a birth year, you know, you might associate different numbers like 24 for me, it was a number that I wore playing sports growing up. So when I see 24, boom, like I have an association with sports for that one. And, you know, you just pull out all these random things in the chaos of your brain because there's an association up there. And if you can take an advantage of that, that's really kind of what my process does. So you don't have total control over how your brain is wired. Um, so if you can use that to your advantage, then that's the goal, right? Well, and so this is the thing that that thrilled me and got me thinking this would be fun to talk about on Emerging Form is that I think a lot of us do think of memorization as something that's rote. Uh, but as you went on, you created this very creative act about how how you might bring these these numbers into your into your mind in a way that makes more sense and helps them stay. And could you talk about that evolution? Yeah. So there are a host of memory techniques out there. And one thing I use, it's been, you know, well-documented a lot of places. Some people call it the Roman room. The Romans used to, when they used to give speeches, they would, you know, focus on different points of the room and they would store information in those points. And so uh, I use a version of that called a memory journey. So it's, it, it's very geospatially connected. And for me, I don't know if this is true for either of you, but for me, I have strong geographical associations with certain things. Like if I learn a fact in a certain space that is not, you know, like a usual space, I'll like forever associate that idea with that location. And yeah. so, Oh yeah. It'll be like, oh yeah, that was the gas station in Delaware. Like I don't, you know, like I don't understand <laughs> how the brain forms those connections sometimes, but it does. Can I ask a quick question here? And that yeah. is, I wonder too. Like for me, I feel like uh, this is a little bit hard to articulate with words, but different numbers have sort of different feelings or different almost. Uh, uh, when I'm thinking of them, like almost the sort of shape, they have different shapes or different different sort of. There's a physicality to them. To me, it's hard for me to explain, but when I'm thinking of a number, they, they seem to have these traits. Is, is that something that you also think about and is that useful for this? Yeah, I mean, almost anything, right? Like if I can remember, it's an even number or an odd number. It's a sharp number or a curvy number. Or, you know, if you think of like the nine digit keypad, depending on the orientation of the keypad, like seven, eight and nine are near the top and one, two and three are at the bottom. And so... You know, especially when you get used to practicing and typing them in, you remember, oh, physically, this thing is located higher up or physically mm -hmm. this thing is located lower. And so anything you can kind of get a hold of to help you get through that sticking point. But ultimately, what I did to capitalize on that feeling that numbers had was I took every two digit sequence from zero, zero to nine, nine, and I associated a character with that sequence. So, you know, it, I took a hundred people, fictional and non-fictional and gave them a number. So could you walk us through what that looks like for a specific, maybe there's the first 10 digits or something? Yeah. I mean, it, um, first 10 digits, um, like zero, zero is, uh, Steven Spielberg. And so, 
With him, I would associate a lot of things like Jurassic Park dinosaurs, creating movies, things like that. Yeah, and then as another example, like One Zero would be Tony Stark. And so I associate like Iron Man and the Marvel Universe and superheroes and all those things with the sequence One Zero. And then Two Zero would be Ned Stark of Game of Thrones. And so I associate a lot of different things with that, you know, Game of Thrones, political intrigue, you know, all sorts of different things. So as I walk through a room in my mind, right, like I'll pick a place that I'm very familiar with and then I'll walk through mentally and over in this first position over here, we have, you know, Ned Stark and he is in an Iron Man costume and he is making a movie, right? And so then you've got Ned Stark, 2-0. He's in an Iron Man costume. So 1-0 for Tony Stark. And then he's making a movie. So 0-0 for that Steven Spielberg reference. So you kind of put together these little silhouettes of what's going on. And if you can visualize it and then kind of put some action to it and then anchor that geospatially it helps keep things in order and then as you kind of have like a the sequence that I kind of fell into was you always pick a character then you pick a modification of that character like Ned Stark in an Iron Man suit right so that is the modification there what is he doing he's making a movie and then you pick two other things an adjective and a noun and so I associated all of those nodes, like with Steven Spielberg, I had, you know, himself and then the modification, you know, would usually be like with film equipment or mm-hmm. something like that. Making a movie would be a verb. Adjective would be Jurassic, you know, and, uh, <laughs> or, yeah. you know, fossilized, something like that. And then a noun would be something dinosaur related or, you know, I pick one of his other films, too. So would this be almost like you're memorizing a story where it's kind of a sequence? And so that's really, it's kind of the, and to what extent, I'm just, I'm so curious because, you know, we don't usually get insight into how other people's brains work and how they're thinking about things. But as you're thinking of this, are you thinking more in terms of visuals? Are you thinking in terms of words, in terms of the numbers themselves? Like how do these interconnect? Yeah. So it's very much, I believe it's easier for the brain to connect with those visuals, right? Because those things are things you can see or imagine. And looking at a sequence of three numbers, at least for me, you know, I don't get a wildly different feeling, right? Like if it's 638 versus, you know, 538, like I don't feel that (laughs) crazy difference between the two. But if those are two different people, who have different associations in my brain, then yeah, there's a big difference in feeling between the two. So. And so I know that I, so this is how I picture it, Paul is like you go in your kitchen and you see, you know, that here's this little Tony Stark story and now you've got the Ned Stark story and now you've got, you know, the Mickey Mouse story and it goes on and you just kind of move through the room with story, 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 story. Which to me, this is, I got so excited about this, you know, years ago when, when this first happened, I was just like 
really? Like you, you've created the most create. This is so creative. Now, now you've invested all these numbers with all these stories, and now you're just telling stories as a way to to remember things. Fascinating. And then you told me the other night that you are now including rhyme. Yeah. Also, so how, like, how did how does this continue to evolve? So when I set the record, I did it with just that a hundred person system, right? Just two digits at a time. That's a lot. Like to get to 16,000, two digits at a time is still like 8,000, you know, descriptors and people. Yes. And... That's like a very long novel, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it's, uh, um... you're memorizing line by line. You know? <laughs> and, you know, I tore through so much geographical space that one thing I had to do was miniaturize myself. So when it was like a really, really familiar ge- oh. geographic space, I could walk through my house now as like a one inch tall version of myself. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Let's stop. Let's stop. This is exciting. Okay. So just to say what you're doing, you're changing perspective. Like in, in poetry, this is a big thing that we do, right? Is, is, you know, are you, are you going to tell it from first person or third person? Are you, you know, if, if, if it's like a film, you know, you zoom way in or you zoom way out. So this is amazing. You just, one solution was change your perspective, make yourself one inch tall, one inch tall, Paul. Yeah. Yeah. And so now when I want to get up on the couch, I have to like climb a really long rope. And now as I'm climbing the rope, other characters could be flying through the sky or, you know, but really they're only (laughs) a foot off the ground, you know, in reality. So, um, but it allowed me to fit um, so much more into the same geographic space. Cause now, you know, like a sofa becomes you know, a place with multiple nodes that you can walk to instead of just being like, who, I can fit one thing on this sofa, right? So, yeah. Wait, so did it really screw you up when you guys got a new table? No, like, <laughs> so I have, I have, um, you know, cataloged all of those journeys that I've memorized. Yeah. So. yeah. Okay. <laughs> so but I'm I, curious, Paul, do you, I mean, do you consider this, I mean, when you're thinking about this process and this journey, do you, is this something that you are thinking of as a creative practice? That's a good question. I would say in, um, like in all honesty, I probably wouldn't, you know, if you asked me like, do I have a creative practice? I would say, well, I don't know if I have a creative practice, but I certainly feel like I do creative things. So, but trying to put the words to it, like, I would say for sure there is a creative practice there. Like I have spreadsheets of just all of these connections and characters that I'm trying to work in. And, you know, so it, it definitely, there's definitely a lot of creativity in in taking advantage of those mental connections and trying to shoehorn certain things in the work, you know? So. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little more about your process? Like when you're practicing and things, do you, do you write these things down? Like how do you go about it? practice session what does that look like yeah so for me with uh practicing um if i i've coded a google sheets to you know i can type however many digits at a time and if i hit enter the cell will turn green if i've got it correct and it will not turn green if i've gotten it incorrect or if i made a mistake (laughs) Uh so that kind of have a self-checker that way but yeah, it's usually like reciting the stories, trying to visualize the stories, trying to add different elements to it to make it stick better. 
Like if I can't remember the action a certain character is taking, maybe I have to add some specificity to that action to make it a little bit more memorable or make it crazier in a way that is really memorable. So, uh, but just kind of getting things to feel a little bit more extreme so that it's not like it doesn't get lost in the wash during like a multi-hour recitation. So, <laughs> And do you practice like in chunks or do you just start over from the beginning each time? How does that yeah. work? Yeah. So I do practice in chunks for sure. And uh, it's, you know, like I haven't, I haven't been practicing in, you know, probably a year now, but when I do practice, it's like, I've got to get through the whole thing in a week's time. And so that'll be, you know, like five minutes here, 10 minutes here. And I'll go through the spreadsheet. And if there are any sticking points, then I redo that block again, just Mm -hmm. to, but just to make sure I get through everything cleanly in a week's time. I want to go back to, we didn't touch it yet, how you're incorporating rhyme. The poet just can't let go of this part. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So after I set the record, I got to like 15,000 and that like 15,000 up to the 16,106 that I had, that was a very experimental memorization process. Like I was trying to find the next evolution of it and it worked, but I wasn't happy with it. And so I went back to 15,000 and instead I, I created a thousand person system instead of a 100 person system so that I could get three digits at a time. And then I started putting these things into sort of like five line poems that have a rhyming scheme of A, A, B, B, A. And so, you know, almost like a limerick. And uh, I would incorporate one character per line of five. And I would weave it together in a way that rhymed. And probably within you know, a month of doing this, I went from 15,000 digits to 20,000 digits. And so, yeah. And so that unofficially, I've not performed that. So of course getting 5,000 that quickly, the next evolution of my brain was, okay, well, if I can do a thousand people in a system, can I do 10,000 people in a system and get four digits at a time? So That is currently where the project stands, is trying to make a system of 10,000 objects, all categorized nice and neat, and being able to write those into poems. So, Oh, that's neat. (laughs) So part of what's thrilling about this too, Paul, is to to just, as you're talking about it, to see how you think of it as experiment, how you think of it as evolution, you know, which which is a very, you know, evolution is a creative process that's and so for you to just well could we do this well could we do this you know I've, I've just been so excited about how the the memorization process which I think of as being not very creative is something you know we're just cramming uh it has this this real beauty to it how it blossoms you know with with all these evolutions of can we do this can we do this can we do this and I, I would say that the heart of your comment, though, is true. Like it is reciting random digits, which 
is far less exciting than reciting a poem. Like if you memorize a poem, you can at right. least, yeah. you know, elicit some reaction out of people, you know, but <laughs> if you're just going to spout off, you know, numbers. <laughs> well, that gets me to another question, actually. And I don't, I, I don't want this to come out the wrong way, but, um, you know, a lot of people would say, you know, why recite numbers when you, you know, if you're going to memorize something instead of a poem or something? I mean, is it something, what, I, what I'm really trying to ask about here is, you know, obviously there's something about this that's really pulling you in and enjoying. And I, I feel like I can understand it now that I understand how you're doing this memorization. But can you just talk a little bit about, I mean, do you feel like you kind of enter a state of flow while you're doing this? Like, I guess what I'm kind of asking is what is in it for you or like, what, where is the sort of joy in this yeah i mean it's uh it was certainly just a question of like well could i set the american record is this even possible and then it happened and then it was like how far can we take this project and so in this new ten thousand digit system to answer your question is i've memorized the entire periodic table of elements i've memorized countries and pop in in order from most populous to least populous I've memorized all the capitals of the world that way too. I've memorized the order of states in entering into the Union of the United States, all the presidents. Um, so I've worked all of these things into the 10,000 digit system and it's kind of given me the ability to memorize things that are maybe more important than, you know, certainly knowing capitals of countries, I would argue is way more important than knowing digits of pi. Like, you can always, sure. I mean, you could always look up both, but you know, yeah. how many times are people like, what's the 700th digits of pi? And how many people are like, you know, <laughs> no, what's people the- ask that all the time. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like what's the capital of Poland? Like, I feel like that's a far more common yeah. question. Yeah. So right. that's a great point, Paul. How do you feel this is carried out into the rest of your life? Like in what ways do you see that the tendrils of this have, have grown in other places? Just with being able to memorize short numbers, for sure. Like, mm-hmm. you know, a phone number is easy. So, yeah. especially when credit you get card pre- number. credit card number. Yeah, exactly. That's where we're going with this. No. <laughs> no it's, well, you know, uh, it's funny because a friend of mine told me recently that she had, you know, she just has her credit card memorized. And I thought, oh, that's smart. I should do that. I mean, it's not that long. Like, it's not, it's yeah. not that hard to memorize a number that long. It's just that you know, we just don't generally do it. So it's, yeah. it is, it can be a handy trick to have, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And I do feel like, you know, it keeps me sharp and it is sort of like a meditation almost. Um, mm. For me, if I try to, you know, sit still and be with my breath and things like that, I still feel like my mind wanders. But when I give it a task, that's like, no, you have to recite these next hundred. And then you're like, laser focused on it and then you kind of like flush out all the other noise as you try to go through it so in a way there is a benefit in that fashion yeah it occurs to me that this is a a a real you know task of extreme attention right like you can't be thinking of anything else while you're doing that and there is i mean that that's in some ways that's kind of what meditation is right yeah 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 focused attention that's beautiful but at the end of the day, I also realize this is just reciting a bunch of random digits. So it's not like, <laughs> I don't think there's anything world changing about this. Or, you know, this is just, it was a project of curiosity that grew into something bigger. So 
Yeah. Oh, that's great. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. In our in our bonus episode, we're going to get a chance to talk to you more about what's happening with your dissertation, which has exciting ramifications and is real uh, creative application of mathematics. I hope that everyone who's a paid subscriber will listen to that. Thank you, Paul. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks so much, Paul. Thanks for having me. Really glad to be here. You've been listening to Emerging Form. This is Rosemary Watola-Tromer, and my co-host is science writer Christy Ashwanden. Our fabulous audio producer is Cherie Turner, and our music is created and performed by Kira Kopostansky and edited by Leah Shaw. Kate LaRue designed our logo, and Jack Mueller, of course, inspired our work and the name of this podcast. As he always said, you must obey the poem's emerging form. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Emerging Form. Did you know that for just a few bucks a month, you can become a paid subscriber and get bonus episodes every other week? Go to emergingform.substack.com to sign up. And if you really want to help us out, leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks for listening.